Today we're going to continue our study on prayer. We started it a couple weeks ago. Uh, this is our third week in the study. I believe a, a study that holds a lot of uh, potential for us, a very needed and necessary uh, study for us as men who are seeking to walk with Christ, to actually live out our, our, our relationship walking, abiding in Christ. We started this a couple weeks ago. The first week, we talked about the effectiveness of prayer. Sometimes we do not really see that, the power of prayer, the need for us as, as men, as Christians, to spend time in prayer, and really all of that wrapped in the privilege of prayer. And I'll just tell you how, how crazy, again, that the Creator God of all things, the God who right now rules and He reigns over all things, our majestic, mighty God, He not only enables us to pray, He not only gives us the ability to pray, He desires that we would spend time with Him in prayer. That's a tremendous thing. That's a, that's a huge thing. God desires that we would be people, that we would be men of prayer. What an honor that is. What a privilege that is. Then, last week we talked about what prayer is. With all of the confusion, and we talked about some of the things that prayer is not, with all of the misunderstanding, especially in our day, all of the misapplication, uh, we saw what prayer is. A very, a very simple starting place, a basic definition. A prayer is communication between a believer and God himself. Uh, communication between a believer and God himself. We saw that part of that uh, prayer is fellowship with God. Uh, as Adam walked with God in the cool of the day, as Moses spent time with God in the tent of meeting, uh, prayer is fellowship with God. It is also submission to God. It is us saying, you know what? I submit to you. I understand your wisdom is greater than my wisdom. Your direction I need. And so it is submission to God. It's also worship of God. It is us telling him we know our place as sinners. We know your place and we exalt you and we come to you in prayer. It is worship. Well, that is what prayer is. And then that brings us uh, to our study today. Our study today is going to look at this question. How do you pray? Very practically, listen to this. How, how do you pray? Is there a right way to pray? Is there a wrong way to pray? If there's, if there's a right way, it would just make sense there's a wrong way. Are there wrong ways to pray? Maybe some of the ways that, that we're praying are, are not correct in, in God's leading, God's instruction. Is there a right way to pray? If there is a right way to pray, do you know the right way to pray? Now, it's not that complicated. It doesn't take much thought to, to, for me to say, you know what? I want to know that. I want to be sure of that. If I'm going to be a, a man that walks with Christ and a big chunk of that is going to be my prayer life, I want to know how to pray. I for sure want to know how to pray. It is very interesting to me in, in, in Luke chapter 11 we see that this is nothing new. Now, sometimes we think, well, you know what? I'm just pretty dumb. Maybe I don't know things, or maybe I've, I've missed some stuff over the years, and I don't understand things. But really, we see this is nothing new. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus had withdrawn to pray. He had spent some time in prayer, and, and there in that account, it says that the disciples, upon seeing that, and can you imagine seeing Jesus pray, uh, upon hearing that, and can you imagine how crazy it is to hear Jesus pray that one of the disciples there in that account says, Lord, teach us to pray. 
And so that's not a, that's not a new thought. That's not something I came up with. Uh, that's been the cry of Christians ever since Christ was in our midst. Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. Now, when I think about that account, can you imagine uh, being taught to pray by Jesus himself? Jesus himself is going to teach you to pray. How, how awesome, how tremendous would that be for Jesus himself to teach you how to pray? Well, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to actually tell us how to pray. Sometimes I think we miss that connection. We're going to look at what Jesus says concerning prayer, but understand these are the actual words of Christ. These are the literal words of Christ. These aren't words that someone scooped up and put together and said, you know what, we think Jesus would have said this. This is what Jesus said concerning prayer. Jesus is actually today going to instruct us in prayer. Coach Blue just said, Lord, we want to hear from you. Listen, we're going to hear from Christ on the matter of prayer, on the subject of prayer. And that's what we're going to look at today. We're in Matthew chapter 6. It's in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. He is teaching his disciples there. And we're going to start in verse 5. How do we pray? How is it that we would pray? Here we go. We're going to walk through these verses. The first thing is this. When you pray, your motivation matters. When you pray, hear this very carefully, your motivation matters. Why you are praying actually matters. Let me read you two verses, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6. Jesus is speaking. When you pray, you're not to be like the hypocrites. That's what Jesus says. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Jesus says, do not be like those who pray to be seen. Do not be like those who pray to have a status. They like to be at the religious place. They like to be where there's a platform. They want to be on the street corner where everybody passes by. He says, do not be like those folks who their motivation for praying is their status. They are praying for people to think they are something. Jesus says this. Think about this. Those folks, those who pray to be seen, those who pray for status, he says their goal is to be seen, and he says, well, you know what? They have their reward. They're going to be seen, but that is it. That's a pretty crazy thing. That's it. Their goal is to be seen. You know what they're going to do? They're going to be seen. God will not answer their prayers. Your motivation matters in prayer. He says, but for the one who does it in sincerity, the one who doesn't do it to be seen, he's not worried about all that. It's not a show. It says this. The Father sees that as well, and notice it says this, and will reward, and will reward. Your motivation in prayer matters. If you're praying to impress people, if you're praying, because you know what, this is what I think I ought to do at this time, because the culture has taught me that. If you're praying that someone might be impressed, even if God would be impressed, you know what, God doesn't hear your prayer. It is in sincerity 
that our prayers are offered. He sees and he will reward. Motivation matters. The second thing we see in our prayer life is meaning matters. Now, I could go about a 40-minute sermon on this part right here. I won't. We're going to keep it kind of specific. But meaning, meaning in your words, meaning in your prayer, meaning matters. Verse 7. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. And when you're praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. And the word for Gentiles is talking about the pagans, those who do not know God. Do not pray as the pagans do. Do not pray as the lost world does. Then, and and really I was thinking about it even, even now, Pagan people, you watch their, their prayer, uh, they chant to their God. You ever watch the, the Islam call to prayer? They chant to their God. They have things to say at certain times and they, they chant to their God. They make sounds to their God. They say the same thing over and over to their God and it's part of their religious expression. They're, they're chanting these things. They're saying these things to their God. You know what? Those things have no meaning. Those words absolutely possess no meaning. In fact, that whole process is meaningless. Jesus says here, Christian prayer is not just words repeated. Man, we we need to understand that. Christian prayer, it's not just words repeated. Christian prayer is not mindless. Today we live in an age of mindlessness. Christian prayer is not to be mindless. He says, Those folks, they think for all of their words, for all of their commotion, that they're going to be heard. You need God to hear you, you need to get louder. You need God to hear you, you need to say the same thing over and over. For all of the commotion that God would hear them. Jesus says here, that is not how we pray as believers. Think about this for us as Christians. How many of our prayers are offered and use just meaningless, numb words that we've been trained to repeat to God. You know what? At this time, we say this prayer and we say it like this, and we've done it so many times that the words have become numb to us. The words have become meaningless to us. One of the things I use as an example, how many, how many times before a football game, you know what, we're all suited up and we're going to go out and do unspeakable things, ungodly things, honestly, and you know, it's time to stop and say, Our Father which art in heaven. We say those words so many times. We repeat those words so many times. They become meaningless, numb words to us. That is not how we pray as followers of Jesus Christ. I can think about different uh, religious expressions, different denominations, different churches, and that, is, and that is their system. We say this prayer this many times at, at this event. And at this event, we have a funeral, and we're going to say the Lord's Prayer seven times at that event. Listen, we do not use repetitious words hoping to draw the attention of God. That is not how we pray. That is how the pagans pray. And so right there, he tells them how not to pray a couple things. The meaning matters. The motivation matters. How not to pray. Well, now we get very specific. He's going to tell us how to pray. And here we go, starting in verse 9. Pray then in this way. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. 
Now, understand this. I want to make this very clear. We call this the Lord's Prayer. We make plaques with the Lord's Prayer. We recite at certain times the Lord's Prayer. We often repeat this prayer. There's nothing wrong with that, but I want you to see this. Notice he never says here, pray this prayer. It never says, pray this prayer. It starts off and it says, pray like this. And so here's what I want you to understand. This is our model in prayer. You want to know how to pray? Jesus says, well, then pray like this. This is our pattern in prayer. Now, there's nothing wrong with praying that prayer, but you know what? It is a pattern for our prayer life. This is what we follow in prayer. Pray like this. If we're not careful, we can recite this exact prayer to the point that it becomes meaningless, that it becomes repetitious. The thing that he just warned us against. We could actually take this prayer and repeat it so much that we no longer think of the words, the meaning attached to that prayer. And so be sure to understand, this, this is a model for us. Pray like this, the model prayer. Now let's, let's look at it as we, as we walk through these verses. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. First off, we see this. It says, our Father. Do not miss this. This is telling us the participants in prayer. Who has the privilege, who has even the ability to participate in prayer? Well, it says here very quickly, our Father. This is telling us the participants in prayer. Here are the participants in prayer. The Father and those who can call him Father. The Father and those who can call him Father. Those who are in a relationship with him as the Father. Now, understand, not everybody's a child of God. We live in an age where we want to say, we're all children of God. Listen, not everybody's a children of God. God doesn't hear everyone's prayers. Now, that's a hard statement. That's a stark statement, but I'm, I'm going to show you in Scripture this. The only prayer of a non-believer that they could pray that God would respond to is the prayer of salvation. Outside of that, they have no relationship with the Father. They're not a child of God, and so God does not hear their prayers. Well, that's pretty steep. John chapter 1, verse 12. He comes into his own, his own receives him not. One twelve says this. But as many as received him, talking of Jesus, but as many as received Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even those who believe in his name. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we see here the ones that can participate in prayer are God the Father and those who are of a relationship with him as the Father through Jesus Christ. Then, then the verse continues. Who is in heaven? That is a place. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means honored. And so I want you to see this. We're going to start to march through a pattern here in prayer. Our pattern for prayer is this. In our prayer, Jesus shows us the pattern. You know what? We're not going to have meaningless words. You know what? Our motivation is going to matter. But now as we've entered into the pattern of prayer, we are going to start by honoring God. We're going to start our prayer by worshiping God. Really, it's giving God his place. You know what? He is in heaven. You know what? His name is to be honored. His name above all names is to be honored. Now, what that looks like practically is when we come to the Lord in prayer, we come and say, you know what, God, you are awesome. You know what, God, you are tremendous. 
You know what, God, you are, you are absolutely marvelous. And, and, and we start our prayer honoring God, heaping honor upon God. That's the first thing in our pattern. Verse 10, let's continue. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Now, the, the second thing we see in our pattern of prayer, after we honor God, we seek God's will. Now, this is kind of complicated. I want you to hear this. We seek God's will. Here's the weird thing of prayer. In prayer, we are not seeking to change God's will. Sometimes we think, you know what, I'm getting God to do what I need him to do. I'm getting God to do what I've decided should be done. And so I'm going to pray seeking to change God's will. Well, listen, in prayer, we are not seeking to change God's will. He is wise, perfectly wise. He knows everything. He is loving. He is kind. He not only knows what is best for us, he desires to do what is best for us. And so you know what? I want his will. He's wise. He's smart. He's kind. He's gracious. He's just. And so I want to come and, and seek his will, not mine. So understand, we pray not seeking to change his will, but for his will to be done. Now what that, what that means is we seek for our plans and our activities to line up with his will. God, if, if this is your will, I'd ask that you would lead me in this. God, the greatest thing that I could ever see in my home and in my marriage is for your will to be lived out. God, I pray that you would enable that. We seek in prayer to line up our activities, our plans to the will of God. We seek his will to be done. It says on earth as it is in heaven. You know, in heaven it's done quickly. In heaven it's done without argument. In heaven it's done, it's not reconsidered and reconsidered. We want his will to be carried out in our lives in the same manner. How nuts that we are so arrogant that we would think we would know something when we're telling God what we need. That we would think that we know better than God knows. How, how nuts is that? That we're so arrogant to say, you know what? I, I know what needs to happen here and I'm not really concerned about what you think, but I want you to enable my plans. I want you to enable my ways. No, in prayer, we seek his will to be carried out in our lives. Now, I want to say this because people have said this to me. Isn't that just a cop out? Isn't that just a way of saying, well, if God doesn't do it, well, you can just get out of it easily. Let me tell you something. That is not a cop out. I don't want my will to be carried out. You know what? My will's dumb. You know, my will has led to many mistakes. My, my will has led to injury to me and to others. I want God's will to be carried out. I want his best to be known in my life. Listen, friend, you do not want your will to move forward. You want the will of God to be carried out in your life. So we honor God. That's our pattern. We seek his will. That's our pattern. And the third thing in our pattern that Jesus tells us is we come to him for provision. We come to him for provision. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now notice this in the model prayer. I think it's very interesting. There is nothing wrong. In fact, it is right to seek God's provision. 
Sometimes we think, you know what, you need to pray for lofty things and you need to pray for, for these religious things, but you don't need to bother God with your, your provision. You don't need to bother God with the little things that are going on in your life. Listen, God tells us it is right to look to him for our provision. He tells us nothing is too big for him, and I think we understand that, but he's also telling us here nothing is too small for him. God, the, the, the lunch that we just ate, God, I'm praying that you would provide that and that we wouldn't go without that. As something as, as small as that, we come to him in the big things. We also come to him in the small things. It is an act of worship to look to God for your provision. You know what? God tells us, Christ tells us, we come and we honor God. We come and we seek his will in his life. We also look to him for our provision. Moving on, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 12 is now talking about in the pattern that we're going we're gonna to seek from God the forgiveness of our sins. Now understand, when we pray, we address our sins. That's an important thing. We do not ignore our sins. When we pray, we address our sins. In fact, I'll just go ahead and tell you this. Any unconfessed sin in your life any undealt sin with in your life as a believer is going to hinder your prayer life. Well, I thought I was forgiven. You are forgiven and you're righteous before God, but you know, we have, we have sins as we move forward in our Christian walk. Any undealt with sin, any unconfessed sin is going to hinder your prayer life as a believer. Well, what a blessing that we can carry our sins to our Lord and we can be done with it. I don't, I don't know, sometimes we, we lose the hugeness of that. You know what, I, I can sin. I could have had better intentions, but I got off track and I sinned and I rebelled against God and, I, and, 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 and I've grieved him and I've hurt his name, but I can come to him with my sin and I can leave with that sin dealt with. Do you know how tremendous that is? Do you know how awesome that is? I come in and you know what, I've done this and I've done this and I wish I hadn't have done it and I've gotten off track and I'm sick of myself and I hate that I ever did it and I can confess that sin and he's faithful and just and he forgives our sin. He cleanses us of all unrighteousness and we can deal with that sin. I can walk out, you know what, we dealt with that sin. How tremendous. He tells us, deal with your sin in prayer. Also here, I want you to see this. It prompts us also, in light of that, to forgive others. It's actually tied together. There's a couple different parables of somebody that was given great forgiveness but wouldn't offer it to somebody else. Well, how, how ludicrous to come and say, God, here's my sin, and I ask that you forgive me my sin, but you know what? I'm going to harbor hatred and unforgiveness against them. You know what? We, we forgive others as we have been forgiven and that is the formula, that is the equation that God uses. You know, don't come with unforgiveness in your heart seeking forgiveness from me. They're tied together. And so we deal with sin. The pattern is we deal with sin in our prayer. And the last thing we see in the pattern is this. We find guidance. We seek guidance in prayer. We honor God. God, you're tremendous. You're marvelous. You're mighty. We seek his will. God, I want what you want for my home. I want you what you want for my marriage. I want what you want for my church. We seek his will. We seek his provision. God, you know what? We're going to make some decisions. We're going to need some stuff. I know you're the provider of all things, the sustainer of all things. We look to him for provision. We deal with our sins. Lord, I'm sorry for these sins. Lord, forgive me of those sins. We deal with our sins, but we also come and we seek his 
guidance. Don't miss the hugeness of this. We seek the guidance of God in our life. Let me read the last of this section. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Here's what I'm afraid a lot of our prayer lives look like. We ignore God. Now, maybe we wouldn't say that, but we ignore God. We compartmentalize God. You know what? I'm going to deal with God on Sunday and maybe an occasional Wednesday. And if we come to the men's lunch, maybe on Thursday. But I'm going to, I'm going to compartmentalize God. I'm actually going to live in neglect of God. I'm glad he saved me, but I don't care what he says about what I watch, what I see, what I hear, how I act, how I respond, how I do my business. And so we live in neglect of God. We ignore God very simply. And then we come at night and we ask God to forgive us where we've messed up. And I think if we're not careful, that's how a lot of us live. We, we come back at night and we go to bed and you say, you know what? Lord, I wish I'd never gone there. I wish I'd never done those things. And I've got regret in my heart. And I lay here and the regret's burning a hole in my stomach. And we start to ask God to forgive us. Listen, he does. That's what we should do. But I want you to see this. How much better, how much infinitely better would it be to wake up your eyes in the morning and to say, God, oh, that you would lead me today. God, oh, that you would, you would guide my steps today. God, that you would steer the paths of my feet today, that you would help the attitude of my heart today. God, that you would give me the power to turn away from the sin and the garbage and the corruption of this world. God, that you would empower me to live like you would have me to live today. God, that you would remind me of your word. And as I'm going through the day, that I'm reminded of the commands of Scripture. Oh, Lord, that you would steer me, keeping me away from evil and that I might avoid sin, that I might not enter into sin, that I wouldn't have the consequence of sin, that I wouldn't have to go to bed and think about all the damage I did to his name and to my name, and that I could go to bed that night and say, oh, thank you, Lord, for walking with me today, for leading me today. He will guide us. We seek his guidance in prayer. We honor him. We seek his will. We worship him by acknowledging him as the provider. We deal with our sin and we seek his direction. Jesus says, you want to know how to pray? When you pray, pray like this. Glad you're here today. I'm going to ask if you'll stand, please. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come and we see you and we see how awesome you are. We see how tremendous you are. Lord, we see how mighty you are. We see your, your hand in creation. We see your hand in provision. And then, Lord, I see your hand in great grace shown to us as sinners. Though we're lost in our sin, you send your only begotten Son to save us, to forgive us, to redeem us to purchase us back from the debt that we had secured in our sin. And so, Lord, I just point to you. You are marvelous, tremendous, matchless, my Savior, the God that saves, and I worship you. We also come today and we, we seek your will, Lord. We seek that your will be carried out in our homes. We seek that your will be carried out in our lives. 
Lord, we seek your direction in our churches. We seek that we would line up and match what you're doing and not try to bend you to the, the cruddy things, the ideas that we have. Lord, we seek your will on earth as it is in heaven. I'm sorry, Lord, for the state of our churches and the state of our, our cities and the state of our nation. God, forgive us for that. We, we pray that your will would be done here as it is on heaven, in heaven. Lord, we also come and we seek our provision from you. I pray for people in this room that are hurting, that are sick, that are ill, that are physically ill. I pray for some that are having troubles in their relationships, some that are having financial issues. You know all the things going around this room. We know you're the provider. We know your resources do not run short, and so we cast our eye upon you as our provider. We ask for your provision. Lord, we, we also come and ask that you'd forgive us of our sins. Each one of us here not worthy to be in your presence. Each one of us here have earned our punishment, death and death separation from you for eternity. Lord, forgive us. God, forgive us. Forgive us for bad attitudes and bad words and bad thoughts. Lord, forgive us for actions that disgrace your name and, and, and disgrace us as followers of Christ. Forgive us of our sin. We also pray that you convict us of our sin. That you, you bring to mind things that can't stand. We would confess those things as well. And the Lord, I pray that for the men in this room that you would steer our feet away from temptation. That you would lead us away, Lord, from evil. And I pray that we would look like you. We would respond like you. I pray that our eyes would be fixed upon you. That you would lead our path. That we could go to bed tonight, not in regret, but glorifying the God that walks with us. Lord, help us walk with you. Lord, I pray for each home represented here today, each dad represented here today, each granddad represented here today, each husband represented here today. I pray for the influence that each of us carry, that it would honor you and point to you. Lord, we submit all this to you, our gracious and kind God. In your name I pray, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.